Uh, we're at Masechet Pesachim, Daf 39, all about Maror. The entire Daf is about Maror up until the end. Uh, it's very interesting. We have Daf, daf after Daf about Masa, but just one lone page about Maror. I guess it's uh, a lot more simple. You don't have to make the Maror. You don't have to worry about it becoming Hametz. Uh, we just want to know what kinds of species uh, would be uh, bitter enough that uh, they can fit into the, into the category of eating Maror. All right, so the Mishnah is going to list five species, maybe parallel to the five different kinds of grain. Uh, so chazeret is what we would call romaine lettuce. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, eringo, aloshin, endives, Okay, interesting to have something just called maror at the end. Um, maybe it's referring to something specific, or maybe it's just saying anything that is bitter. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of open-ended uh, one at the end there. Good. In what state? It doesn't matter whether they are moist or they're dried out. That's both fine. However, they cannot be pickled or, or boiled. Shilukin sounds like you, you pour boiling water on top of it, a kind of quick, uh, quick boil. Mevushalin is actually cooked in a pot. Uh, that's not good. Uh, those, that's going to change the taste, and they're not going to be bitter anymore. Uh, but they can be dried out. Good. And you can you don't have to eat all of one type of species. You can take some romaine lettuce, some endives, which is practical because a lot of times we get served both of them, and you want to have a kezait all together, so you can have some of this and some of that one and fulfill the mitzvah with both. Also, you can eat the stalk, uh, not only the leaves, but also the stalk is fine. And now this, uh, this is, uh, these are vegetables. So you have to give tiruma, maaser, if it's demai, in other words, you got it from ma'aretz and you're not 100% sure that he took tiruma, maaser, still fine. I remember we said, because you could give up all of, all of your property and then you'd be poor and then you would be eligible to eat demai. So it is, um, it is uh, potentially edible. But it does have to be kosher, edible. Or the first tithe that you give to the Levi, and the, if the Levi gave his the tiruma, the ma'asemina ma'asemina to the Kohen, then that can be, that's edible, so that's okay. And also ma'asemina, the owner had ma'asemina, or he made it hekdesh, but he redeemed it for money, then that lettuce that mador would also be edible and therefore permitted. Okay, this is probably why this is this is here. This goes. Uh, this follows the previous Mishnah, which gave the same list um, regarding different kinds of masa. Also, has to be something edible in these different categories. All right, so that's the Mishnah. Here's some pictures. Here's the hazeret that uh, we all know, the romaine lettuce. Um, and here's the chabina. Is something like this field uh, eringo. Olashin uh, endives are right here, and maror uh, may be referring to this kind of plant. Um, okay, good. So, uh, yeah, some kind of uh, so thistle. All right. So that's uh, that's what the Mishnah says. Now the Gemara is going to uh, just discuss different different names and, and other types of species. That's the beginning of the Gemara. Chazeret hasa, that is uh, lettuce. Olashin hindibi. So even in Aramaic, it sounds like endives. 
Tamcham Adababa Barhana Tamcheta Shimha. We're just translating into Aramaic. Had Habina Amarabi Shimon Benakish Asvata De Dikla, something that grows around the palm tree, Maror Medirata. It's a specific plant that's called the Medirata. Good. So Tane Bar Kapara. So Bar Kapara had uh, the following teaching Elo Yedakot. So also endives, Patamcha, Shervil, Bahar Halin, Bahar Habinin. So some kind of some, something else and something that's a field erringo. Um, okay. Uba Hazirin, that's the Hazirit. Rav Yudah Omer, Af Olshe Sadeh, Veolshe Gina, Vehazirit. Rav Yudah adds to these things also the, um, the wild endives. And the endives in the garden, and also chazeret, which is the regular lettuce. Now, so that's the end of Bar Kapara's statement. This is strange. Why does Rabbi Yudah adding these things that they were already mentioned? Right, already in the uh, the first, uh, the majority opinion here said olashin. That includes all olashin, and also mentioned chazerin. That's the same as chazeret. So now, what Rabbi Yudah, what are you adding? Is what he meant to say. I might have thought from the first opinion that it means that it's only those of the um, those of the the garden, and so now he's coming to add that those of the the wild ones are are also the same as the ones in the garden and kosher, also just like lettuce can be used. Good. The uh, so is now getting going back. Af asvas vetura umad yedoar. Okay, he includes uh, these three things. The last one is some kind of sweet myrrh. Uh, wouldn't seem to be that, it doesn't sound so bitter, but apparently it is. Amar le debi aseh as vas veturai hadhu umar zehu yedoar. So he says this part refers to some other kind of plant that is in fact bitter. Good. Tane debe shemuel elu yedakot shadam yoseh bahen yedech wa tova pesach bachazeret baolashin, so lettuce and endives. Abatamcha, Shervel, Bachar Binin, Field Eringo, Bachar Ginin, Ubahar Dofanin. Okay, these are the two items. Rabihu Daomer, Afhazet Jolin, Vachazet Kalin, Kayose Bahen. We really need a botanist to explain all, all these things. We'll do a show and tell one day. We'll go to a farm. Um, okay, so these are also. Uh, those, these are also, you can fulfill your obligation with these different um, items. Uh, this Chazeret Galin looks uh, like this. It is uh, found in, in, in Israel on roadsides and in garbage heaps. Sounds delicious. Um, and interestingly, um, it contains a milky fluid or sap. Um, uh, they're known as, uh, they, they always face north and south. They're known, known as Hasat um, Hamatspen, because it's like a, it shows Safon. Uh, so that's very interesting. You find one, at least you know your way. Um, okay, but it doesn't look that appetizing. Oh, but that, that, that you can use that for the Maror. Okay, good. Um, Okay, that too is good. It says, I heard from Rabbi Eliezer that you can use this vegetable, but I couldn't find anyone else to back 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 up my tradition, because I only heard it alone from Rabbi Eliezer. So now he wasn't sure if Rabbi Eliezer really, really said it. Did he remember correctly? And so and then I found a friend who said, yes, I remember hearing that tradition as well. So he was able to confirm his memory. 
Okay, so up till now, we've been just talking about specific names of species. Um, but now that adds a general rule, anything um, that has white sap um, is fine. Uh, if a surface is light green color, then that's going to be that's going to be maror. Acharim omerim kol yadak mar yesh lo serach ufana marsifin. Third opinion, Acharim says um, anything that is bitter will also, kind of by definition, have white sap and it will be light green. Good, so actually they're not arguing. They sound like they're all agreeing when saying the same thing. These are all different ways of telling if something is in fact bitter, and that would be maror. And this is what we can follow. This is something very interesting that the word lettuce, what is the etymology of the word lettuce? It actually comes um, from uh, like like a lactation, meaning milk, uh, because it has a milky uh, uh, sap. Um, so in fact, uh, this is a um, the Gemara is referring to to something that is the same as the derivation of our English word. Good. Now, Ravina Amerirata. Okay, now, funny story. Ravina saw Ravacha. He was looking for something bitter. He was looking for like the most bitter thing he could find so that he can use it for his maror. He says, Well, what do you think? That it has to be as bitter as possible? The Mishnah mentions Chazeret. We have another source also, just lettuce. even says the best thing to use is uh, just, you know, uh, romaine lettuce, um, even though it's not the most bitter. That's fine. And we said that that's what it means. It means, um, it means chasa, it means lettuce. So you don't have to go find the most bitter thing. This is the best thing to use. That's interesting. Why? Right? We would think that Torah says maror, Okay, the, the more bitter, the better. No, this is why. My hasa, the hasracha mana ilavan. Because it's also a play on words, not with the word maror, but with the Aramaic hasa, because, um, because God had mercy on us. So it's, it's kind of like a play on words, like the eat foods that we eat on Rosh Hashanah. We also do that. So we should think maror not only symbolizes the bitterness, but also the redemption. And another reason why it's good to use lettuce is because lettuce, um, at the beginning, it tastes okay, and only has a sharp, bitter taste at the end. It's the aftertaste that's bad. And that is more appropriate because so too the Egyptians, at first, everything also, the maror has, is soft at first, um, and then as it grows bigger, it gets harder. And so this is uh, the Egyptians also, they were soft in the beginning and only then they got hard. In the beginning, as you know, we see in this, para, this week's parasha, we go down to Egypt, we're treated well, we get the best land and we feel very home at home and comfortable there too uncomfortable that we don't go back even after the famine. And then things get a little harsher. There's the cor corvée forced labor. Uh, and then there's the propaganda that we're going to be an enemy nation, the fifth column. And then soon enough, we're enslaved and uh, the boys are thrown into the river. And so you see, just like it starts off at, no, this seems okay, right? It'll taste good. But then you get the, the uh, sharp 
uh, taste at the end. So that's why the, the, the let, lettuce is the best, even though it's not the most bitter, but it, it's rep, it, it symbolically represents uh, the experience of that uh, slow slavery and then redemption um, represents that better than other vegetables. All right, so that's, I think, really beautiful and at the heart of this, uh, this whole discussion. Okay. Oh, and by the way, then he, he changed his mind. Abacha was looking for the most bitter. He says, oh, you're right. I'm going to use, I'm going to use romaine lettuce from now on. He says, hold on. Is this trust is maror, meaning something bitter. I can find something very bitter, but it does, who said it has to be a vegetable? How about the bile of a, of a fish, a kufya fish like this? Uh, a mackerel, uh, the bile inside the fish, really, really bitter. Uh, n- nobody eats it. Um, okay, but why not? So the answer is, mm-hmm. we make an analogy between masa and maror that mentioned together in the basuk. And so just like masa grows from the ground, so too we have to get something that grows from the ground for maror. Okay, I can find a bush. It's not a, it's not a plant. It's this kind of, I mean, it's not an herb. Uh, but it's uh, this kind of bush here um, that uh, is extremely bitter, and it's so bitter it's even poisonous sometimes. So why not use that? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Dumya de masa. Mamasa means ra'im. Maror means ra'im. No, no, it can't be a tree. This is too much like a tree. It goes, grows tall. It has to be something that is a, um, uh, that is a, uh, like an herb. Okay. So why not? This, this is a uh, vegetable that also can can be poisonous and uh, is not is not tree like. It's uh, vegetable like. Okay, further limitation has to be something that you can buy with Maasishani money, right? When you, if you redeem your Maasishani and you live, because you live in Haifa and you bring the money to Jerusalem, you can spend that money only on food. So this something has to be something that people normally eat. And uh, this plant, nobody eats because it tastes horrible and it might be poisonous. So therefore it has to be something that is actually edible most of the time. All right, good. Had it says, you know, you gave me now all these different species, but um, why not just say maror is is one singular, right? Maror, had merurim ketiv. So no, we say no. It does not not only one species uh, that we have to specify because it says amasot umerorim. Actually, says many species. All right, fine. It says multiple vema merorim today, but uh, the the smallest amount that's still plural is two. So why not we why don't you say that there are two species and no more? Who said that there's so many that you can use? Just like Masad, there's five different grains we can use. So this backs up what I said before, that the, I think the Mishnah purposely lists five species of Maror, even though there are many. Um, and, and the Gemara after brought all different kinds of species, but we, uh, we say five as to be, to be similar to Masa. But the point is not only one specific species, any kinds of plants that are bitter would be fine. Okay, so in the name of Rav, the first generation Amora and Bavel, he says, Okay, 
Okay, regarding kilayim, um, the, what the law of kilayim that you can't have, you can't plant diverse species together, uh, means that if it's different species, you can't put them together. But it's if it's two or three subspecies, in other words, different types within the species, then you can plant them together. So Rav here is saying that all the items that are permitted to use for maror, they can all be planted within one little garden. In other words, they're all part of the same species, even though they look like lots of different things, they're all really one. So uh, Rav is in fact kind of looks like he's limiting what you can use to, for, for maror to one basic species. So he's a lot more limiting than um, the opinions that we saw above. Um, so uh, this is uh, this seems to be contradictory to something else that Av says, but it looks like we want to we want to try to re um, reinterpret this because uh, it's very limiting and not not in line with what we've been saying so far. So So when he says that you can plant them all together, are you saying is he saying that you, there's no law of kilayim that you can plant these as different species within one little area? But we have a question from Ravah. From a Mishnah. This is a Mishnah in Masechet Kilayim. And the Mishnah is going to list different species that you can or cannot plant together. So, Chazeret ve Chazeret Galin. So, these two different kinds of lettuce, those two you can plant together, even though they're different, they're the same species. Also, Olashin ve Sadeh, garden endives and wild endives. Those are two different things, but since they're the same species, you can plant those together without leaving any space. And so to all the other other others on the Kiddishin, uh, all these mustard and Egyptian mustard. Egyptian Gordon, all these things are the same type. And so therefore they can uh, they're not they're not kilayim with each other. Now we listen, look, we mentioned Galin in Olashin La. So don't we understand this that yes, you can use romaine lettuce and this other kind of lettuce, those together, but the, those and endives doesn't say you can you know mix and match different things. So uh, the Mishnah mentioned lettuce and endives, and so those are different species, and that's inconsistent with what Rav said that they're all part of the same species. So, and maybe we'll interpret this Mishnah to mean that all the things on the, in, the, in this list can all be planted together. No, that's not a good interpretation. Even Rav himself didn't say that. This is in pairs, right? These two can be planted together. The next two can be planted together, right? But not all, all at once. So, um, therefore, you see that these the things listed in Mishnah are actually different species all together. So this goes against what Rav just said, um, that they can be planted, that all marors can be planted together. So we're going to reinterpret that. My nizra'in da marav, nizra'in kehil chatan. What he means is that they can be planted according to the proper procedure that you leave space in between. So in fact, what he said was the opposite of what we thought he said, or what his words seemed to say, that you, all the different species of maror, you can only plant them together if you space them out. Um, when we say space them out, what we mean, we're, gonna, we're about to quote the Mishnah that says this, if you have a small garden, a small uh, uh, plot that's just six by six tefahim, uh, the Mishnah says you can still find a way to plant five different species in it if you lay it out in a, in a certain way, four on the sides and one in the middle. 
Um, so that's permitted, right? You, there is space in between and they look different. So they're not getting mixed up in that way. Um, so that's what he said. You have, to, you have to do it in this way and then it's okay. Um, so therefore it's really the opposite. They are in fact different species and they could not be planted together one on top of each other. Now, is that what he's teaching? Kilchatan tanena. Wait, but we would know that that already. That's explicit in the Mishnah in Kilayim. That says, Adugashi shishal shisha tefachim. A little uh, plot of land. It's just six by six tefachim, very small. You can, if you need to, plant five different species in it. How? Four on the sides and one in the middle. So I might have thought that that Mishnah is talking about herbs and not and not vegetables. And so that's why Rav is coming to teach me that these different kinds of species of maror are vegetables. And even those, it's permitted to plant them in such a way. Um, maybe I would think that herbs are smaller and so don't take up so much space and that would be allowed. But perhaps plants would not be allowed because they're bigger um, and their roots are bigger and they take up more space. And so that's why Rav says all the different kinds of, of uh, maror can be planted, can be planted in this way. Maybe that's what he was teaching. All right, um, it's a good try, except that it, it totally contradicts the next Mishnah and Kelayim. Are you saying that uh, vegetables are more stringent than herbs? When we say herbs, we mean also like grains and things like that. We actually said the opposite, that different kinds of herbs, they usually when you plant grains and herbs, you plant a lot of them. So you, you can't, cannot use this leniency of putting five in one. So it actually does not apply to herbs at all. This whole law only applies to vegetables. Only to vegetables. So this answer doesn't make sense. So back to our question, what was Rav trying to teach us? Um, rather, he could be the following. Might have thought that some of these things that, are, that we call marod are actually herbs. And he says, no, they are vegetables and therefore they can, you can use this leniency for all the things that are on the list of marod. Okay, good. Um, next. Um, now, wait, could you ever, could you really think, a question on that answer, could you possibly think that any types of the maror are herbs and not plants? The Mishnah starts off with the words, these are the vegetables. So it says they're vegetables. Everybody calls them vegetables. Now we do need that because of the of the chazeret, um, uh, the romaine lettuce, uh, because uh, although it starts off soft, once it gets bigger, the stalk gets hard or harder. Um, and so it, you might think that it needs more room and would not be able to use this leniency. And that's why I had to say, even, even lettuce, you're allowed to use, you uh, plant five in one plot. That's what I was teaching us the whole time. All right. Um, and the proof for this. A cabbage, that big stalk of a cabbage that became hard. Um, you have to, in fact, leave a lot of space around it. So so we might have, uh, so uh, right, since it's going to be 
come hard. Therefore, we might we have, we have to leave a lot of space. We might have thought that Romain lettuce also. We can can't do this. We have to leave it more space. That's what I was trying to teach us that you can plant even lettuce in this fashion. Okay, so in the end, uh, Rav seemed to be saying that all the different species of maror are one species. So it was kind of limiting it, but no, in fact, he was telling us that they're just all different kinds of vegetables. And as vegetables, um, even lettuce can be planted together in one plot if you use that layout. All right, good. Now, the next part of the Mishnah says, after we dealt with different species, says, whether they are moist or dry, dried out leaves, you can use them, it's fine. Um, okay, after that, afterwards, the uh, next line down, the Mishnah mentioned that um, you can use, I have the stalks too, not only the leaves, but also the stalks. So what's the relationship between moist and dry and between the line after that says stalks? When we say moist and dry, that only refers to the stem. If the stem is moist or the stem is dry, you can use it for maror. But regarding the leaves, only if the leaves are moist, but dry leaves, they're not going to taste like anything. And so they cannot be, they cannot be used. All right, so we're going to question this reading of Rav Chista. Right, the simple reading of Mishnah doesn't seem so because um, it lists everything and it says whether moist or dry. And then the line after it says, oh, and you can also use this, the stem, which made, made it sound like everything before that was talking about the leaves. And so dry leaves should be okay. So Rav Chista would say, no, it's uh, limiting and explaining the previous statement. When we mentioned moist or dry, what we meant is only the stem, uh, but not the leaves. The leaves have to be moist. Um, all right, so that's a possible reading in the words of the Mishnah, but it contradicts a braita. So the first opinion is says you can for maror you can use anything whether the leaves or the stem whether moist or whether dry that sounds like everything. Chachamim only make a distinction between moist and dry. They don't make any distinction between the leaves and the stem. They all agree that if it's not quite dry, it's just withered, right? So in between moist and dry, then that's fine. Uh, so withered is okay, but not cooked, or not pickled, or not boiled. All those are no good. All right, that's the Baraita. So what's the point for us? Um, wait, so that's the Baraita is continuing. As long as it has the taste of maror, I mean, you can, you know, taste it yourself and see. And so, you know, when it's when when these things are dried or when they're cooked, they're not going to taste bitter anymore. Okay, what's the point for us is that um, according to the first opinion uh, here, it makes no difference whether it's the leaf or the stalk. You, the, they can be used moist or dry. According to the second opinion, uh, it also doesn't make a difference. Uh, both, the, both the leaf and the stalk, moist or okay, dry or not okay. Neither of these opinions fits with Rav Chista, who made a distinction and said the stalk can be moist or dry, but the leaves have to be moist, right? There's no opinion like that in the Braita. So how is he going to answer that? He can answer that. Targuma akelach. 
uh, you can explain that no, this uh, the bimei statement is actually talking about the stem when he says you can fulfill with your sin behind kelach, but the 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 leaf or the stem, and then the words lachini beshin are talking about only about the stem, not about the leaf. Okay, not really a natural way of reading bimei, but possible. So he answers that question. Tanur banan and your sin behind kimushin. Okay, regarding the withered, um, although here we said everyone agrees that the withered is okay, um, and that is the first opinion. Yosin, sorry, the, oh, here we have, I see it's actually machloket. The first opinion says um, that withered is not okay. That's like dry. Uh, whereas Abiyaliyad Bisaduk says um, it's fine. Withered is like moist and it can be used. All right, now a question. We asked the same question about Masa, applies to Marod also. Um, now, there is going to be a distinction, which is that wheat and the seven grains, right, different kinds of grains and fruit, you have to bring Maaser Sheni Midoraita. However, Maaser Sheni does not apply to vegetables Midoraita. Only the rabbis came and said, vegetables, you have to bring Maaser Sheni Midorabanan. So these, uh, this marod is going to be ma'asir only midrabanan. Nevertheless, um, you have to eat it in Jerusalem or, or redeem it. So now what if I grow some marod in my, in my garden and I bring it to, to Yerushalayim and I want to eat that marod in Yerushalayim as uh, to fulfill my commandment? Is that permitted? And sir, okay, remember, Rabbi Akiba was one, was one that said, Masad, as Maser Shani, is permitted to you to use for the mitzvah. And that is Maser Shani with Deoraita status. So if that's allowed, then all the more so, Maror, which is only Maser Shani Midrabanan, right? Really, Midoraita. It's not, it's just regular produce. So for sure, according to the Akiba, it would be okay. What about He's the one that said, um, uh, which is, you cannot use for the mitzvah. So maybe only because that is Maaseh Sheni Midoraita. But Marod is only Maaseh Sheni Midorabanan. So therefore, it doesn't really have the law of Maaseh Sheni. And so you can use it for the for Marod. Oh, the Amakod, the Deoraita Takun. Or do you say, even though the rabbi, it's only Midorabanan, that's Maaseh Sheni. Still, whenever the rabbis made, made, make a Takana, they say you have to apply all the laws as if it was actually a Deoraita. And so therefore, the rabbis, by declaring the Maror to be Maser Shani, perhaps they are removing it from the um, ability to use as Maror, just like Masa. That's the two sides of the question. And Rava answers with uh, just a simple halacha, Marava mistabera, Masa u Maror. It makes sense that Maror would have the same law as Masa. In other words, the second possibility, according to Biosai Galili, just like you cannot use Maser Shani for Masa, so too you cannot use it for Maror. Okay, um, that concludes the discussion of Maror, and next Mishnah will begin. Uh, we come back, go back to Masa, um, or, or Chametz. Um, and Shorin Tamursan la Tarnegolim 
אבל חולטין. We're talking about the bran, which is uh, kind of left over after you, after you, um, after you um, get, get, make the flour and sift it out. The coarse bran is left over. Um, it doesn't become hametz very easily, uh, but maybe there's a little bit of flour still connected to the bran. So we're, that's what we're trying to figure out. What, what do you do with that bran? They would use it for different things, as we'll see right now. So you're not allowed to soak the bran to feed to the chickens. Because by soaking it for a long time, then surely any flour that's mixed up with it is going to become hametz. But what you can do is pour boiling water on top of the bran before feeding it. That will soften it up. And that'll be a quickly, heat, quickly heating it up. Uh, it's only a small amount of exposure to water for a small amount of time. Um, and so that is also hot. So it's cooking it. Um, uh, anything that's already cooked is not going to become hametz. So you can't soak it, but you can, um, uh, you can boil it quickly. Second, uh, so a woman should not soak bran and to bring to the bathhouse. They, apparently she would use it as a, to, as, as a cleanser because again, soaking it for a long time, it may become hametz. Uh, but she can bring it to the bathhouse dry and then just uh, rub her skin uh, with it. And so the little bit of moisture that's on her skin, we're not worried well, that, will, that, that that will make it chametz. Third application, uh, don't chew wheat now, this is wheat, and uh, put it on the wound uh, because even the saliva that gets mixed up with it can make it chametz. And so that's going to you know, be sitting there for a while and that become chametz. So that's also not allowed. All right, that's the Mishnah. We'll see just the beginning of the discussion here. Um, in order to stop something from the leavening process, um, you have to do one of the follow one of the following. Once something is baked, it cannot become hametz again, right? That's why, like, we could take uh, matzah meal, which is already mat- mat- matzah, and then we can recook it and, and connect it and uh, mix it with water and all that. Once something is baked. It will not leaven anymore. Vehamivushal, something that's boiled also. Vehalut berotrin. So boil this if I take the if I took this um, uh, um, dough and I put it into boiling water, it won't leaven anymore after that. And also if I took boiling water and pour it on top, a lot of boiling water and pour it on top of the uh, flour, um, then it will not become leaven anymore. Okay, the last thing we don't do anymore, Rambam and others say that uh, we know, we're not sure if the, if the water will be, will be hot enough and if we know how to do it quite correctly. So we don't do that anymore. Now, a question on Mevushal. Mevushal, Adim Bashele Mehama. While you're cooking it, it actually will, will become Hametz, especially if you put it into cold water and then you heat it up, right? While you're cooking it, uh, not necessarily preheated. Um, so then it will actually become hametz. So boiling doesn't look like it's a good option because making it all wet and um, it will become hametz. He says, you're right. So he's going to actually remove it by, by taking away this and here. Once you uh, cook it and once you um, bake it in an oven, if you boil it after, it's okay, right? Once it's, uh, so really, but boiling by itself um, is, could be a problem. Tanya. 
ברייתא, רבי יוסף ורבי יהודה אומר, קמח שנפל לתוכו דלף, אינטרסטינג הלכה, אפילו קוראים כולו אינו בא לידי חימוץ. If you have flour and you have a, 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 a stream of water continually dripping onto the, onto the dough, onto the flour, it won't become chametz. It's not, it's constantly moving and so it won't become fermented. Okay, not if it's one drop after another, it has to be a stream, right? Every, uh, each drop is connected to the other, as long as it's continually getting more and more wet. So at that point, it will not become a chametz, but as soon as the water stops, then you're going to have to go and, um, and cook it. And lastly, So a certain pastry, that uh, you, you, it's made with oil and salt. This is permitted. All right, good. Um, hold on. We have another Braita that says this pastry is, is not allowed. And when we said it's Asur, that's, um, sorry, the first one that says permitted is when we make it with oil and salt only. So if you have flour, oil, and salt, and that's the only ingredients, then it's not chametz, it's fine. But if you add water to it also, water and salt, um, then it will become chametz. Um, so this is very important because this is uh, the, the, what we call masa ashira, um, which we've discussed before in the previous discussion, it wasn't always clear whether it was only, you know, honey and oil or with water also. Um, but uh, uh, in practice, if it has water in it, then it will become chametz. But if it's only um, oil or only juice, that's what we call masa ashira, which uh, sefaradim are generally lenient uh, about that, and Ashkenazim are more uh, more, more stringent uh, regarding masa ashira. But technically, cannot become chametz if it does not have water in it, and this would be the source for that. Um, so we'll end here, and uh, we'll almost done with the pedic. Another couple of dapim. Baruch Adonai Amen.